politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And yes, this is Daniel Horowitz back in the house today on Wednesday, March 18th, day three of this week's zombie apocalypse. And uh, this is the Conservative Review podcast. If there was ever a time in our history we needed a conservative review, and really not just a conservative review, but a review for the forgotten American taxpayer, for the forgotten American citizen, where we need someone to vigilantly guard the gates. We need all of you to vigilantly call the balls and strikes. We want to get this plague over with. We want the economy back up and running. But we we want to make sure we make the right short-term and long-term decisions. We do the right things and we don't do the wrong things. That we don't just take everything face value. That these very same government elites who caused this problem and many other problems now are coming with the solutions. And coincidentally, what are the solutions? Crush personal liberty? Check. Bailouts? Check. Welfare? Check. Jailbreak? Check. That's getting worse. I don't know if we're going to have time to get to that today. But almost every major city is now saying they're not going to arrest. They're going to release from prison. So we're going to have an epidemic of crime. And think about it. Stores being closed up by the boot of government. But then on the other hand, criminals roving the streets knowing that nobody is going to be around and the stores are going to be vacant. Philadelphia announced they will not arrest people for burglary and theft. Not to mention many of the people who do burglary and theft are murderers and gang members. I'm going to have a piece out today, a very important piece on Philadelphia. I would normally talk about it today, but I want to have our special guest, Colonel Dan Steiner, on to talk about China because we're talking about the cause. In order to understand the, the solution, you need to understand how this happened why it happened, and who was at fault. The same way we wanted this with 9-11, we need to have a reckoning. And unlike 9-11, where we didn't have a warning, at least the public, a minute before it happened, here we had months worth before this March shutdown. You know, I had articles and podcasts out. I had a podcast titled, Let's Focus on Coronavirus, Not Impeachment. You know, this is really what we need to be fighting. Impeachment, nothing's going to happen. The House is going to convict. The Senate, I mean, the House already did at that point, and the Senate is is just going to, you know, obviously exonerate the president. There's no point in delving into that. And when we could have flattened the curve in the flattest part of this juncture, keeping out Chinese and then eventually a full travel ban we could have avoided a domestic travel ban and a domestic shutdown of our economy obviously when you shut down everything international certainly it will be a big disruption and certainly take a chunk out of the economy but nothing like what we are seeing now we knew china was lying to us i mean it was out there since december all this stuff destroying evidence doctors disappearing You can only imagine what our government had in terms of intel if we saw this open source. And yet we I mean, it wasn't until yesterday that they shut off border migration. Finally, we're turning them around, which we should have done three years ago because of the drug 
cartel crisis, the criminal alien crisis, the public health crisis at the border, which we didn't do. But finally, it took until yesterday to do that. It took until yesterday to shut off refugees. It went on for months. Travel from China went on for at least a month longer than it should have. And again, you know, I understand Trump likely saved lives by doing it when he did it. But it was way too late. It was already let in. And that's that's the issue here. Before we bring on Dan. I want to get to the core of what I think is probably bothering a lot of you. Email me at dharowitz at blazemedia.com if you share these thoughts. Because I'll tell you, it's bothering me. I certainly want to take this seriously. And we took it seriously from day one. But there's something nagging at all of us that is very sinister and doesn't add up. Why is it that the government totally under-responded when it actually mattered, and now it's like, Again, economy shut down and and we're one tranche away from an across the board curfew, not even leaving your house as an individual in your car or walking or whatever. Everything until that has pretty much gone that way in most big states and the ones that haven't, you know, haven't moved there. I mean, shutting down churches, businesses and schools. I mean, schools indefinitely. That has never happened in our history. By the way, you could only imagine. All the the education cartel, all the programs they're going to demand. Oh, we have to compensate for the lost education. And you can only imagine, I mean, the fallout. We're going to have the fallout from this for the rest of our lifetime. That, That is a very big step to take. Now, they lied to us. The CDC. Well, Daniel, are you saying we shouldn't do social distancing? Are you a denier? Well, the CDC was a denier. In January, the CDC and the universities had no problem bringing in God knows how many tens of thousands of Chinese coming in from after the Chinese New Year and for the beginning of the new semester. They had no problem with it. Weeks into where this was known. It was obvious. I mean, I'm not I'm honestly not surprised. I hope it doesn't get much worse, but the way the epidemic is right now, and again, it, it could still uh, get worse. It's about what I thought it would be. I mean, it was it was obvious. We saw this coming a mile away. A mile away. They wouldn't even cut off travel from Chinese from China. Heck, they didn't call cut off asylum at the border by Chinese showing up there. So. We're supposed to take this seriously that now you can't step out of your house. It could be because of their mistakes. It now engenders a need for that. I don't know. And that's part of the problem. The problem is that we don't know that we can't trust our institutions. That is a crying shame. Because we know they lied to us in January. We know. As, as you all know, it's, it's one of the things I'm. I'm proudest of in my career the work i did two years ago exposing the lie of the drug crisis when cdc was caught cooking the data and had to recant where they they conflated prescription drug deaths with 
illicit or illicit drug deaths with, with prescription deaths and made this all about prescriptions and said we have a prescription drug crisis when in fact prescription both prescriptions themselves and prescription overdoses had long gone down prior to the beginning of this crisis in 2014-2015 and the entire baseline increase was all illicit drugs almost all driven by the advent of fentanyl and then you know several years into it with meth and cocaine coming back and then mixed with fentanyl they lied about that they lie i mean that's a huge again i think this is a good analogy to draw on to draw upon Think about how much our society has changed, how much liberty we've lost, how many people are in pain because of the misdiagnosis and cooked data on the drug crisis that they call an opioid crisis. Think about that. Oh, look, it's a, you can't deny uh, Daniel. Are you denying this is a huge problem? We got to act. We got to act. We have to shut down prescriptions. We have to. Well, yeah, it is a big problem. I'm a big hawk on that. But you got to diagnose precisely what it is and what caused it to have the right solution. Instead, we're doing the opposite. We're clamping down on people who don't uh, overdose. And then we're letting out all the drug traffickers. And having the open border in the sanctuaries. I mean, the worst possible mix you could ever have. In that context, do you really trust CDC to get it right now? We're not doing all the things we need to do on deregulation of the supply chain. We're not doing the things we need to be doing on immigration. We're, I mean, temporarily, I guess now by, you know, we're forced to. But in the long run, we're not doing it. We're not doing the things we need to be doing on China. We're not even talking about China with our legislative response. But no, they are sure we need a trillion dollar bailout and that's going to grow. Um, several hundred billions in the welfare and, you know, paid family leave. And then now they're asking for 45, 45.8 billion in discretionary spending. They're sure we need that. And jailbreak. Everything the left wants to do that they've always wanted to do is somehow the solution to this. And nothing that's conservative is the solution, even when it directly speaks to the issue. Now, look, we're going to have to spend some money. We get that. But, it, but it's, it's, it's mainly, and you're going to hear me on, on Glenn Beck today and Steve Days, those of you who have heard me, but I'm going to repeat it again. It's mainly a logistical and a healthcare problem. So deal with the healthcare supply, the hospitals, the medical devices, what we need, the medication. That's where the money and the deregulation, more importantly, need to go. In terms of the broader stimulus, well, you have to have jobs in an economy to stimulate. Right, Even if you believe in Keynesian economics and stimulus, that's like the financial crisis. But here, it's the, the market was doing good. I mean, the, the economy, the market too. But we're, we're, we're mandating a shutoff. We're choking it off. So it, it's not going to help to just mail checks to people and bail out industries and bail out businesses and bail out individuals if there's nothing to stimulate. Let's try to work on the right balance of social distancing with keeping as much economic activity open as we can, which will often help with dealing with the fallout of this medically as well. And health-wise. 
And if you're going to tell me, no, Daniel, you don't understand. This is the Black Plague, and maybe it will be. I mean, God hope it's not. I don't know. But if it's really that bad that we are willing to do economic nuclear warfare and have a nuclear winter in this country, because life is so important and we got to save lives over and beyond any money, I certainly respect, theoretically, that thought. But then our reaction doesn't speak to it. Our reaction, that's the problem. Our reaction is inconsistent. So then why are we talking about long-term industry bailouts? Let's wait with that. It should all be about medical at this point. Right? That's the thing. But no, we're talking about economic. Oh, Danny, you don't understand. We're going to die. We need money. So if we need money, then, then you got to balance it and have people working. Which is why it should be more tax cuts than handouts. Because you don't want to incentivize not working. You want to incentivize yes working with the right balance. Imagine that if people would work overtime. Especially so many people like myself and many people, not everyone, but many people could telecommute. Give a tax cut for those wages that they're going to earn. Again, if we're going to lose that much of revenue anyway and bankrupt ourselves, actually stimulate something, not just doing a black hole. Because here's the thing. Writing a thousand or a two thousand dollar check to every American to cover what they're saying could be three to six months of losses. That is tremendously bankrupting to our treasury. The cost is enormous, could be a trillion dollars. But to the ironically, you get nothing because to the individual, let's face it, I mean, how much money do you guys earn? Think about it. If you're really saying people aren't, I mean, a lot of people are still earning. Thank God I am. And People are, that are telecommuting. But three to six months of lost income, I mean, you're going to have to write a $50,000 check to, to every American. So if we're not going to do that, then there's no point in, in flushing ourselves over that at this juncture. And again, if we're at this nuclear winter point to save lives, yes, people do need to feel the pain. I'm sorry. Like, we can't be at this point where this is the problem with the Keynesian stuff and the stimulus. We so badly don't want people to feel any loss during a downtime. And because of that manipulation and market distortion is why we can't save and, and benefit from the prosperity times as much as we can. We had a, a, two years of below 4% unemployment, but as I've noted so many times, GDP never hit 3% in one year because of the debt, because of the market distortions, because of the soft socialism. We'd have more savings. But yeah, you, I mean, look, you, you can't guarantee 100% of your prosperity level income in a nuclear winter like this. I mean, at some point, you got to bite that bullet. I'm sorry. That's just a reality. If that is what they're saying we must do, and it's that serious, that's the problem. They're having it both ways, which makes us seem, is this all just about using a crisis to get everything you want? Shut off individual liberty, shut off business, create a panic, therefore create socialism, socialized medicine, you know, all the things they wanted. But yet we, we until today, we didn't even shut off asylum. Till way, way into this, we didn't shut off the thing. There's no legislation to even deal with this on a permanent level. And then, of course, we're not talking about the 800-pound gorilla in the room, and that is China. Now, folks... I'm kind of scrambling here because it looks like I cannot get Colonel Dan Steiner on. I've actually never had this before um, because Skype is overloaded with everyone working online. I believe that's the case. 
And unlike me, he actually lives on an amazing uh, rural farm or ranch that I envy, but I don't envy his cell phone connection. So, you know, just to save you guys a terrible connection, we're going to try to push this off to later this week. So we're just going to go solo for the rest of the show here. Um, but China. To discuss this issue and to pass trillions of dollars in legislation and clamp down on liberties and do all sorts of things and not discuss China and talk about how to social distance from China and how to decouple from China and how to punish and deter China is like discussing 9-11 without discussing Islamic terrorism, without talking about the nature of the hijackers. But indeed, on some level, this is like 9-11. I fear it's like 9-11. What did we do with 9-11? Everything we needed to do, we didn't do. And everything we did do, we should have done, we didn't do. For example, we cast a wide net on liberties. Not profiling at airports, but crushing our, our, our experience at airports. Casting a wide net on spying. And then we doubled and tripled our immigration from these countries. We brought the Muslim Brotherhood into DHS, into DOD, into state. Rather than dealing with the source of the problem, which was immigration and Muslim Brotherhood subversion in our country, we went overseas and spent trillions of dollars misdiagnosing the issue, making us worse, depleting our resources and resolve that ironically, we don't have the resources and resolve to deter China now because of that. Now, obviously, we don't have the ability to deal with them is because we we allowed ourselves to be bought out by them economically, but militarily also, we are so exhausted. We got involved in, I mean, now we could see is Afghanistan really an issue when we have China? And even after 9-11, we should have seen that. 9-11 wasn't hatched in the mountains of the Hindu Kush. It was actually the Saudis, funded by the Iranians. But again, it was self-immolating because we let in the problem. This, once again, is an immigration problem. We should have shut it off. A travel problem, we should have tr- shut it off at first sight. So really, our government is to blame and our government is going to go and do everything that they can to clamp down on liberties, spend trillions of dollars making the problem worse and not actually solve the problem of healthcare freedom, deregulation, decoupling from China. Geopolitical asymmetrical warfare together with our allies on China and fixed immigration and travel. That is the solution. But yes, we do need to talk about China. China lied. Thousands died. According to a study from Southampton University, had we been alerted three weeks earlier, we could have stopped 95% of the spread. This article is a couple, this is a different thing I'm saying. This is a couple weeks old from March 1st, the London Times, UK Times. Chinese laboratories identified a mystery virus as highly infectious as a highly infectious new um, patho- uh, pathogen by late December last year, but they were ordered to stop tests, destroy samples, and suppress the news a Chinese media outlet has revealed. A regional health official in Wuhan 
uh, center of the outbreak demanded the destruction of the lab samples that the, that established the cause of unexplained viral pneumonia on January 1st. China did not acknowledge there was human-to-human transmission until more than three weeks later. The detailed revelations by uh, Cakes and Global, a respected independent publication, provide the clearest evidence yet of the scale of the cover-up in the crucial early weeks when the opportunity was lost to control the outbreak. Censors have been rapidly deleting the report from the Chinese internet. Cakeson reported that several genomics companies sequenced the coronavirus by December 27th from samples from patients who had fallen sick in Wuhan. There was a striking similarity between the new virus and the SARS coronavirus that killed nearly 800 people in 2002-2003, but the news was shared with only a small group of medics and party officials. The laboratory findings were relayed to officials in Beijing at the Center of Disease Control. That's China's CDC. The information should have alerted national health chiefs to looming crisis, but on January 3rd, the National Health Commission, China's top medical authority, issued its own gagging orders. Laboratories were told not to release any information and to hand over or destroy the samples. When a CDC team was sent to Wuhan on January 8th, it was deliberately not informed that medical staff had already been infected by patients, a clear confirmation that the disease was contagious. The cover-up was led by officials in Wuhan as provincial party chiefs prepared to gather for an annual meeting. The city then passed ahead, pressed ahead with a potluck dinner for 40,000 families to celebrate the Lunar New Year. Only on January 20th was it made clear in the public in an interview with Zong Nanshan, a respiratory health expert who led the fight against SARS that the disease was spreading between humans. Folks, we had information open source from Chinese doctors warning us long before that. We knew this. So in some ways, they're to blame. We're also to blame. But where is the punishment of China? Let me read to you another important article. Michael Austin writing at Real Clear Politics. Um, He's a fellow at the Hoover Institute, Stanford University. Terrific, terrific article. While the world fights the coronavirus pandemic, China is fighting a propaganda war. Beijing's war aim is simple. Shift away from China, all blame for the outbreak, the botched initial response, and its early spread into the broader world. And he goes on to explain that they are terrified of us decoupling, which is exactly why we must decouple. Um, And he talks about regardless of how much some governments and global voices praise China, Xi and the Communist Party care about dominating the propaganda war because the Wuhan virus has stood their nation on a razor's edge. Xi's own legitimacy is not merely at stake. His government is ferociously fighting to, to divert blame and attention, fearing that the world rightfully may utterly reassess modern China from its technocratic prowess to its safety. Decades of a carefully curated global image may crumble if nations around the globe start paying attention to China's lax public health care, incompetent and intrusive government, and generally less developed domestic conditions. Folks, this needs to be done. 
We need this chemotherapy. If we are going to suffer from all this stuff, from endless debt, we need to at least come out of this with a new economy in America. And again, this is not just like heavy-handed mandates against outsourcing. It's ending the pipeline of China's espionage. Just today, well, one of you guys, I think it was Brian, a listener in Georgia, sent me um, another case of a Chinese naturalized citizen already, naturalized, um, sentenced this week for espionage. We need to shut off immigration from China. We need to shut off the flow of foreign students from China. We need to shut down the OPT and H-1B programs. We need a great American mission to have American students, American workers, American companies in America. It's not cross the board saying that you you can't have outsourcing, that it's 100% a bad thing. No, it's not. But specifically with China, we need a decoupling. And in order to do that, we are going to need a relentless focus on deregulation of garbage, environmental and labor regulations and all this garbage so we can make stuff here. That would have been a tough sell, sell, tough sell until a few weeks ago, but not anymore. The same way the left is using this to destroy our country, destroy liberty, destroy prosperity, let out criminals, have open borders, bankrupt us. We need to use it to, to not, not, not to use a crisis I'm not trying to use a crisis to like, I don't know, just push extraneous policy ideas I have to directly address the source of this and the ongoing problem we're going to have that's going to continue this. All the viruses are coming from there. So this this is going to happen again. Whether whether they downright did it on purpose, which we don't know, so I'm not going to say, but certainly they position themselves to capitalize on it. We got to be ready. That's what we need to be talking about. And I'm going to bang this home over and over with everything I can. So, you know, as uh, Austin notes, on the trade side, many foreign corporations already have been reconsidering their operations in China due to rampant intellectual property theft and rising production costs. Now they may seriously question how safe it is to continue to do business with China. Not only is the health of their employees at risk, but they no longer can be assured that China will be a stable supplier. If coronavirus becomes a seasonal phenomenon, as some experts predict, then even with a vaccine, new strains of the, of the pathogen will always raise the specter of another out-of-control epidemic overwhelming the party state's capabilities and infecting the rest of the world. More broadly, the pandemic of 2020 has brought doubts about globalization into the mainstream. Decades of open borders, unceasing in, uh, intercontinental travel, study abroad, just-in-time inventory systems, and the like have created unexpected vulnerabilities in populations and economies thanks to unfettered openness. To worry about such weaknesses is not to adopt a Luddite reactionary stance, but to try and salvage the basis of the post-World War II global economic architecture. Those who assume that global markets were the optimal economic model and would always work now I have to consider whether globalization is the best system for dealing with pandemics like coronavirus, let alone old-fashioned state power plays like China imposed on Japan back in 2010 when it blocked the export of rare earth minerals over territorial disputes in the East China Sea. 
perhaps the biggest long-term economic effect of coronavirus will be on long-standing assumptions about global supply chains. And that, that is what we need to talk about. Again, I am all for the economics of globalization. I get it. But dude, men aren't angels. Men aren't Americans even. We have evil Islamists. We have the Russians. We have the Chinese. We have other countries subverting us. You got to keep that in mind. And at its core, this was Trump's message. This is Trump's opportunity. I'm going to say something that's probably going to dismay some very ardent Trump supporters. But Trump has some blame here because Trump underreacted in order to say, oh, this is like the deep state. This is the media talking about coronavirus in January. And therefore, now I fear I don't know, but I fear he might be overreacting and joining with the left because he's too scared to drag race them in shutting down our economy and then drag race them in bailouts and spending. Because as, as Rich Lowry wrote a great column, he failed nationalism. This was a, the same way the Democrats now are using this as a gift for what they want to do. This was a gift back when we actually could have prevented it. In December and January, Trump could have turned to the American people and say, see, this is exactly what I mean with immigration. This is exactly what I mean with the foreign students. This is exactly what I mean with them using the, 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 the pipeline of foreign students and foreign workers for outsourcing and then gobbling up our supply chain, crushing us economically. So for our policymakers to just have open borders, not learn the lesson of China, not learn the lesson of borders, not learn the lesson of deregulation and our supply chain, not learn the lesson of getting rid of most foreign workers and um, foreign students, at least from China. But then to turn around and say, how dare you not care about people? Let's shut down the country, but then go trillions into debt. Let me give you an observation not enough people are saying. Guess who will allow us to borrow to service that debt? Guess who will hold that debt? None other than, other than the very country that will wind up engendering the need for that debt. To have a so-called coronavirus stimulus package, response, bailout, whatever they want to call it. They're at stage four. There's four stages already. And we're only a few days into this. There'll be more. And to not discuss China. Is, is that is our government being as criminally insidious. As the Chinese government. This is why I mean, I'm, I'm trying to get up. You know, I really wanted something fancy, but I think we're just going to do just a very rudimentary Facebook page to start off just so we could come together, share posts, comment, share ideas. Because this is all hands on deck. There are decisions that are going to be made in the coming days that will affect our economy, our society, our culture, our security, our health, everything that touches our lives for years and decades to come, more so than 9-11. Because this is more linked economically than 9-11 than was. 9-11, the big thing was more the wars and the airport security. This will encompass a lot more things, many more things. Government screws up every crisis. You know why? Because at its core, government and our failed elites have caused it. Open borders. I'm not going to say it's the, it's the problem of every ill, but it sure is the problem of a lot of ills. 
And when you have viruses that aren't native to, to America, they can only come here one way. Now, again, there's questions on the practicability, no matter what, in this era of technology and communication of, you know, keeping out every last strain and individual carrying every last virus. But again, as CDC and all the, the Teletubby, you know, incessant morons will tell you, flatten the curve, flatten the curve, flatten the curve. Well, the ultimate way to flatten the curve is to start with social distancing internationally so at least we don't have to do it from our own doorstep. And that begins with permanent social distancing from the evil Chinese communist government. And this is where deregulation really, really ties in. This is really, really where you can make that you will never have an issue that is more one-sided with the public than concern of dying from epidemics. That is the number one issue. I've seen polling data on that long before this, by the way. Democrats are using it to exacerbate the problem. Shouldn't we use it to address the very source of this problem we're talking about? China lied, thousands died. Needs to be the catchphrase. We need to declare asymmetrical warfare on China because they've declared it upon us decades ago. We need to return that favor. That is the core reality. So we'll talk about China a lot more when we get Dan Steiner and others back on the show. But I want to come back full circle again. You look at the panoply of things our government is doing and things that they're not doing, or you look at things that they were doing the last three months and not doing. And I can't put my finger on it. I know this is serious. But does it warrant the degree of shutdown that they're doing now? And what I fear they are headed towards? Here's my question. There's one thing if we had a government that was so, so strict on its core jobs of public order and public health. And then they shut off the borders through the border crisis two years ago. They shut off travel at the airports the minute they saw that this was spreading. They did all the things we're talking about on sovereignty. They were tough on crime because we're very concerned about public order, public health, public safety, right? And then they tell us, you know what? This has really gotten bad. You got to take one for Team America. We all have to shut down our lives for the next few months. It's better than dying. You know what? I, I, I'd believe it. It would be believable. But when you have a government that did the opposite, a government that kissed China's ass, a government that let in tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Chinese students and other Chinese immigrants and LPRs and travelers for weeks on end after we knew this. A government that had refugee and asylum going on until yesterday from Congo. A government that had Chinese coming to the border and we brought them in until this week. A government that every solution is now a long-standing left-wing agenda item that was being pushed emphatically recently before this. Welfare increase, bailouts. More spending. And then jailbreak. 
This is what is so sinister. Because let me tell you something. There is nothing more quarantined and confined than, than an already confined, incarcerated population that you shut off all visitation. To say you want to start letting people out of jail, it, it, it makes no sense. From Forget about the public safety, just from the, the quarantine perspective. That is now ubiquitous. Google it. Every major city is, is doing this to some degree, and it's only going to get worse. And to begin with, they're, they're starting out with low-level offenders, which to begin with, we know means high-level offenders. You can only imagine how severe the shutdown of law enforcement will be. I want you guys to think about that for a moment. They are shutting down. They are shutting down in Philadelphia arrests. It's public, public information. They're announcing this. Burglary, auto theft. And, and again, burglary is a serious thing. Burglary is a serious thing. Um, very serious. Yes, you could have drug peddlers and, you know, thieves and burglars that are kind of low level but you have a heck of a lot of them that are big gang members and doing other things too not every low level offense is you know a low level offender winds up committing high level offenses but almost every high level offender also commits those so when you catch a pool of people doing it among them will be the worst of people which we talk about all the time but again even if it doesn't lead to murder and rape and, and robbery suspending all arrests for theft and retail theft and burglary and vandalism. Think about that. They know that businesses are shut. And believe me, the police are saying, we're going to clamp down on you. They will go to jail if you're a business so-called defying their communist shutdown. But a criminal, irrespective of his criminal record, who breaks in, knowing that those offices and buildings and shops are vacant, Nope, they won't get arrested. There is something very sinister going on here. And we need to get to the bottom of it. Let me just explain to you, both tie in the concern of public safety with jailbreak and one virus, together with just the general concern of jailbreak. William McSwain, the U.S. attorney from Eastern Pennsylvania, put out a, a very long press release showing how Larry Krasner, the Soros DA in Philly, is responsible for two murders committed, allegedly, by this guy, Hassan Elliott, a known gang member, including a cop, a SWAT team member, who lost his life on Friday when he was serving a warrant for a previous arrest from last year because the guy let him go. Basically, in 2017, he was arrested for firearm charges, threatening to shoot someone with a gun. He got Krasner, gave him the minimum time and then let him, let him out early after seven months. He violated his probation numerous times in early 2018, plus was caught with large quantities of cocaine. Didn't lock him up, let him out without any bail, despite knowing he was a known gang member. I have a video linked to it. The guy is on video with parading around guns with a mask as part of the gang. He was known. He was listed by police as one of the highest level threats. He went on to be accused of committing a of murdering someone point-blank range with a partner. 
in March of 2019. Yet this guy, Krasner, vacated his or dismissed the charges on the cocaine thing. And the and the U.S. attorney explains how that ensured that the guy remained a fugitive and we couldn't catch him for a year. Finally, they served a warrant. And as they were doing it, the guy shot and killed the SWAT team member. Here's the thing, folks. They're telling us with this deferment, oh, we're going to process them, but then release them. We're not going to arrest them. We'll, we'll issue a warrant later after the crisis is over. Yeah, yeah. You'll catch them a year or two later. Some of them you'll never catch. How many people will die as a result of that? Like we see here. Another example, low-level offender. Oh, it's just cocaine. Oh, it's a victimless crime. Yeah, but look at the guy's record. That's how you take these guys off the streets. So this is a perfect example of what is going on with jailbreak. Right now, I got to run. I have to do Glenn Beck's show. By the time you hear this, it'll be on the other side of it. So I got to cut it, cut it sh short here. But rather than hearing jailbreak, letting out ICE from ICE custody, they announced they're suspending deportations, flights to Guatemala, bailouts, welfare, dead. We need to be hearing deregulation, healthcare freedom, sovereignty and supply chain, get rid of Chinese foreign students and foreign workers, immigration moratorium, sanctions on China, permanent policies in place to shut off travel at the first sign of, of, of a viral spread. Those are the things we need to talk about. And to the extent we talk about a response, yes, it has to be more tax cuts than handouts because it has to stimulate something. It can't encourage people not to work. It's to encourage people to work. And yes, we have to have a reckoning about this shutdown being more targeted than what it is. I don't have time now, but I'm going to reference an article. Maybe we'll, we'll read it tomorrow about South Korea how they turned the corner and they didn't have this draconian shutdown and they're already almost back to normal life. And they're very close to China, a lot of travel there. They even had that. Again, it might be necessary in Seattle, New York City, a couple places. Obviously, cancel big events. But come on. We got to find a way to open up markets more, not to shut them down. Because again, there is no amount of money government could send to people to compensate for that. And it will cripple us and bankrupt us. And we won't even solve even the stimulus Keynesian virtue, if you believe in it at all. So let's do what's right. Where are our leaders? I don't know. There's a handful of good writers, good people with ideas. Let's try to find them. Let's work together. Again, I'm going to try to get this Facebook page up because I'm, I'm not good at doing this. Email me at dharowitz at blazemedia.com. Tweet me at armconservative. Till tomorrow, let's pray to God that this doesn't end, end bad, that there's nothing more sinister going on here. We really need God's counsel, advice, and divine providence. Stay safe, folks. Mm -hmm.